sitting down to record our last episode ever. Welcome to Hand of Pod. scared you, didn't I? Don't worry. It's not really our last episode ever, everybody. Um, this is the 199th episode of Hand of Pod, and I certainly would not be allowing us to go out without hitting 200, if only for my own ego. I am Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week, as ever, by Andres Bruckner. Andres, welcome back. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Well, I am here uh, uh, representing all River Plate supporters that can't be here, and they are sad. As, as, as well as me yes it's uh, uh, not sad it's uh, just a, <coughs> a way of saying it but uh, I am the River Plate fan for all the, the listeners that I, uh, of course listen kind of Poland and, and are supporters of River Plate also and it's not the best mood at the moment it, it was a bit of a strange one getting people together for tonight's episode because I thought that there were going to be the the supporters of the teams who won the Clásicos at the weekend were going to be very eager to come, and uh, well, nobody is. Maybe they're all St- saving strange, themselves. Strange thing, because uh, of course, on, on social networks, like Twitter, Facebook, you find a lot of uh, Boca Juniors supporters right now uh, that were a bit uh, hidden when when <coughs> when, when uh, results were the others and uh, were different, and now they are here. They are like you are. You you feel them. So it is really strange uh, why they aren't here. Coming out of the woodwork is an expression we have in English to describe that. It's uh, an interesting one. But um, indeed, we have, obviously, as as particularly listeners who were listening last week will be aware, a whole week of Clásicos to look back on. Um, Last week's episode, bizarrely, really, for a Super Clásico preview episode, didn't look very much at the Super Clásico. And I suspect this week... It's going to be something similar because there are so many other Clásicos um, to to go with. But we will obviously start off by talking about the Super Clásico once we've read out the um, all of the results from the weekend. And before I do that, I should mention, as I had uh, almost forgotten to, that we are sponsored by the Argentina Independent, who uh, provide uh, alcohol. That's their form of sponsorship. Thank you very much to them for that. And who are a wonderful source of English language news, current affairs... Um, foot, uh, football essays, photo essays is what I meant to say there. Um, <coughs> most of the football content is us. Uh, you can hear the ice clinking in Andres's glass and um, lots of other things. You should read them. They are free to read and they are available on argentinaindependent.com or you can follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indie. That's Argentina I N D Y. And just to clarify, it's all in English. So if you're listening to us, you can probably understand them. Um, the results from the weekend just gone were as follows. Defensa Justicia versus Arsenal. Not a Clásico, but Defensa Justicia won 1-0. Nueva Chicago versus Argentinos Juniors, as we discussed last week. Not a Clásico, but some of our, at least one of Argentinos players seemed to think it was. Um, they were clearly well up for it because they won 2-1 away from home. San Martín lost the Clásico de Cucho at home 2-1 against Godoy, Godoy Cruz. 
Um, Gabriel Hainsey, therefore, getting his first managerial victory since his very first managerial match, which was a 3-0 win at home to Crucero del Norte right after the um, return from the Copa America. Independiente thrashed Racing in the Clásico de Avellaneda, 3-0. Huracán beat San Lorenzo, 1-0, in the Clásico without a name, um, the uh, Clint Eastwood-inspired Buenos Aires Clásico. Olimpo beat Sarmiento 1-0 in a non-clásico in Bahia Blanca. Atletico de Rafaela beat, Bel- uh, beat Belgrano. No, they didn't. They drew 1-1 with Belgrano in Rafaela. That one's also not a clásico. They are playing the reverse fixture this coming weekend, though, which is a bit Yeah, that's because strange. Santa Fe, is, they are limited with Cordoba, but only because of that. That's about the only logic yes. I can come up with for it, yeah. It must be, mustn't it? Um, Tigre beat Vélez 3-0 in another not a clásico. And then on Sunday... Remember last week we said that Sunday was going to be mental and loads of fun because all of the Clásicos in it. Um, none of them really fully lived up to the hype. Colón Unión was pretty good, but the rest of them were actually fairly disappointing matches. Anyway, Rosario Central and Newell's Old Boys played out a very drab nil-nil draw. Estudiantes de la Plata had to come back, um, come from behind to draw 1-1 at home to Gimnasia. Colón and Unión were, um, they finished nil-nil, but it, as I said, it was a pretty entertaining game. Ignacio Malcodra hit the post with a free kick from Unión right before half-time, um, and it was a better match than the scoreline suggested. River Plate, as you've no doubt heard, lost the Super Clásico 1-0 to Boca Juniors, Nicolás Lodeiro with the only goal of the game. Um, and Banfield won away to Lanús in the Clásico del Sur with a magnificent goal from Mariano Cuero, um, which was really the only bright point of what was, again, a fairly dull match. On Sunday, uh, Monday, we had two final non-Clásicos to round off the weekend. Aldo Civi obviously beat Crucero del Norte 2-0, and just to rub in how rubbish Crucero del Norte are away from home, they did so with 10 men on the pitch for about an hour because Roger Martinez was sent off. And Temperley drew 0-0 with Quilmes, having had uh, Fabian Brandan, Fernando Brandan, sent off, I think, shortly after half-time, or shortly before I half-time. Uh, I, I couldn't get it. So. I, I, I might have the two uh, the durations of those two uh, ten-men performances wrong. Let's see. Oh, yeah, Martinez. Yeah, so Aldo Civi were down to ten men for an hour against Crucero del Norte. And Brandan was sent off for Temperley in the 53rd minute. So, yeah, shortly after half-time. Um, a match which Kilmes I think had about 17 shots and Tempele had three um, but managed to scrape a nil-nil Incredible draw. the transfer the, the, was like a, a mutation that Kilmes not suffered enjoyed with, with mm. the Facundo Saba yeah. as the coach it's incredible he's been in charge for seven matches Kilmes have won five and drawn two in that time and both of the draws have been against Tempele uh, <laughs> who clearly are uh, getting a bit of um, a, a talent for keeping clean sheets, if nothing else, or at least they are against Quilmes. Um, it is a remarkable transformation. As we normally start with the Big Five, um, we obviously are going to now, not least because we need to talk about the Super Classical. River Plate effectively dropping out of the title race. They are now nine points behind the leaders, are they? Or is it... Is it, it yes, yes, they are nine, nine, uh, nine, and with the possibility of being six because of the match against... Uh, Defensa y Justicia, as we have been saying here. Yes, nine. Sorry, no, 11. Oh, oh 11. They, they, they're, they're nine behind San Lorenzo, but of course San Lorenzo oh. aren't top anymore. Boca are top by two. Ah, yes, Boca number 52. I, I was yeah. uh, stick to the 50 mm. that had San Lorenzo. but no. So River have a game in hand, as we say, but um, even if they yes. win that, they'll be eight behind the leaders. Yeah. Um, effectively dropping out the title race. 
the match against Lanús this coming weekend is likely to be the last league game of the year in which River field a full-strength side because the week after that their Copa Sudamericana campaign starts and they've made no secret that now the priority is going to be defending the Sudamericana. Um, Boca played considerably better than the previous week against San Lorenzo. I thought they, they only really had one chance, uh, but they, they took it. Well, I, arguably, I suppose they had two chances because Carlos Tevez's chance immediately before, uh, which was well saved by Marcelo Barrovero, but uh, the rebound fell to Lodeiro um, to, to slam in. So I suppose it depends how you count it. It could be counted as one chance or it could be counted as two. But River didn't really create anything at all. I mean, on the one hand, Boca did what they needed to do, and it was, from that point of view, professional away performance, especially in the derby. On the other hand, River's performance kind of meant that Boca didn't actually have to do very much. So it was, a, as I said, a disappointing Super it's, I think it's a, a, a very bad combination between, uh, of course, bad performances. Uh, if you compare it to the to three months ago when they won Copa Libertadores, or, well, not three, not three months ago that they won it, but uh, when they were fighting for, for, for the title. And, uh, of course, uh, last year, which for uh, passages uh, during the matches and, and during uh, several <coughs> matches it was uh, very very good it was uh, just uh, uh, just better than they were than they are playing right now um, and a lot of injuries also that is not to put an excuse because uh, uh, you are river and you have to uh, have the substitutes in order to play uh, not the same way but similar uh, as we say here, if River complains about injuries, what happens to Belgrano, to Templey, to yeah. uh, teams that uh, don't have uh, the, the, uh, perhaps the, the, the players that the River does? Uh, and I think Boca is playing decently, not uh, of course brilliantly. Uh, last uh, Saturday, last Sunday, I think they they knew or they uh, bet on River uh, bad moment and and, and they. Played with that, with the uh, not uh, uh, clear ideas that River. I mean, uh, I heard Gallardo saying that play the ball more uh, on the floor, not uh, throwing it uh, directly to the to the box, and they did it anyway. Uh, I mean, the players didn't uh, hear Gallardo, or they didn't do what Gallardo told them to do. So it is a very bad combination, I think. And yes, now they are thinking, of, of course, on, on, on uh, defending the, the Copa Sudamericana title. And then, uh, when there are three months that uh, are to go to the, to, the, to the Club World Cup, as we have been saying, they are thinking on it, and it's perhaps natural. It's not the best, of course, to 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 have your head in, in a competition. You are uh, you have a lot of time to 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 play it. While Barcelona, for example, is playing Champions League and they are not thinking on the Club World Cup, and River is thinking, of course. Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, I think it's not only one reason why River is uh, this moment is so so down, uh, and we have already we have to repeat a lot of concepts, uh, starting with the the, the, the say similar quite similar thing that happened to San Lorenzo last year after winning the Copa Libertadores and. When you are looking for something during 19 years, like River, for example, uh, when you achieve that, uh, that you were uh, so uh, 
uh, that the people asked asked for that so many so so long for so long. Uh, well, uh, there is something you you can't prevent from from happening, uh, mm. uh, and, and yes, it's 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 like that. Uh, from the Boca point of view, obviously we are. As regular listeners know, we're both river sympathisers here at the moment, but uh, to try and uh, go into this with some neutrality from Boca's point of view, it was, uh, as I said already, a good win. Um, and the kind of win as well that being in the derby and away from home is going to help Boca to, to pick themselves up, you would think, after the previous week's defeat to San Lorenzo, which was more traumatic than it might have been, given that it came with such a late winner um, and, and as a result of, of a daft uh, yeah, a, a, a daft mistake, but from a player who I think, as we said last week, was somewhat harshly treated by by many fans afterwards. Given that he was yeah. Rodrigo Bentancur is the player yeah. we're talking about, given that he, he'd actually put in decent performance, he's a very young kid still. Um, so Boca go top of the league, they're two points clear for San Lorenzo, and I don't want to ask whether they'd be worthy champions because, again, we're trying to be neutral here and the implication in that question is that I don't think they would be. But um, given that the, the the media, a lot of the media obviously here are, are, are biased um, and, and, and are Boca fans. Obviously, there are a lot of media who are River fans as well, but, but the media particularly into Boca in this country. Um, and that has meant that when Boca are not looking entirely convincingly. Obviously, the press, like any fans do, have been particularly sort of virulent about pointing out Boca's faults almost at times. Um, given that they've not had the easiest of rides in the press so far this year, it's been traumatic for for a few reasons. Obviously, there was the way that they went out to the Libertadores after the pepper spray attack and on, on River Plate's players as well um, and all the rest of it. D- do you think that, um, given the fact that they're top of the league, that we... Not just us, but the, the, the press generally have maybe been being slightly harsh on uh, Roa Barrena and on Boca. Well, I, I don't think so. They, he had uh, had some problems with the, the the changes he made. I think some were were right, some were wrong. Of course, in 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 my point of view, it's not that they were wrong or right. It's not. I am. I don't have the truth, of course. Uh, uh, but for example, there were a lot of supporters. Uh, which aren't they uh, don't have the true less than we have because uh, they are they are they they give their opinions sitting eating a pizza and a beer and they don't, perhaps they don't analyze anything they they just if, say if Ernest, we're sitting drinking for that while saying this so well but I mean <laughs> I mean in a, that they don't think any any sure. of the things they they, they say and uh, for example they criticize. Rob Arena for not including Danilo Osvaldo in the uh, crucial match against River for the first leg of the uh, Copa Sudamericana round of 16 and uh, 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 I heard also journalists journalists saying that if you have a player that (coughs) has the value that Osvaldo has, uh, no matter he is uh, incredibly good or or, or bad, you have to to introduce him into the pitch and Mm. he didn't do that Uh, and well, that kind of things. That well, when you have the results of the match, if, of course, it's uh, easier to to give your verdict. You to say uh, whether the coach was right or not. Um, but I think that the uh, book, of course, was known for sure for me that River had a very bad moment, very down moment. 
and, and they, they took advantage of that and they have two particular of course there were two particular things that were key for me or at least one of uh, which was of course gago injury uh, oh we've not mentioned that you're quite right yes yeah. which, uh, at the very beginning of the match very start uh, with only one minute i think he oh, 25 was 25 seconds yes um, yeah uh, after that lodeiro was the one uh, in charge of of, of uh, replacing him and well he scored the goal and he played very good very well uh, And another one is, for example, Luciano Monzon is uh, with Colasso. I think have similar characteristics. They don't have a, a one. It's not one much better than the other one, and they are better attacking than defending. I think with a very uh, quite decent uh, long shot, uh, long distance shot, and well, on Sunday he was one of the players. I think uh, one of the men of the match. With of course uh, defense. Real defense being awful. With Alvarez Balanta still uh, playing like when he came back from the World Cup from Brazil. That, well, yeah, he essentially well, in the form that convinced Gachardo to to yes. drop him for. Now he Romero will have to Mar work a lot on his uh, head and psychologically because uh, we we see him his that his low in terms of I think uh, self esteem. Um, then Milton Casco was his debut uh, and very hard first match after two or three trainings uh, and well and, and Mamana Emmanuel Mamana that had to play because uh, Jonathan Maidana wasn't uh, in good form so that are those are things that play also and uh, well uh, a lot of things but those I, I, I told you I think were were key is In the title running, um, I think we said last week, or if not, then I must have said it on Twitter, that had River won on Sunday, I think I would have made them favourites almost for the title, because although they would have still been points behind the leaders, uh, six points behind the leaders, because the leaders would still have been San Lorenzo, and we were assuming San Lorenzo were going to win their uh, match against Dora County, they of course didn't, um, but with, with a game in hand, and with a considerably easier running, both San Lorenzo and Boca... So Boca top with 52, San Lorenzo second with 50. They've both got to play in different orders. Um, Racing, Tigre and Rosario Central. San Lorenzo have those three teams next in that order. And Boca have uh, Crucero del Norte, Aldo Civi and somebody else, I think it is, off the top of my head. Um, and then they play those three in the last three matches. So it's going to be a very interesting um, Run in, and the, I mean well, the title might not necessarily be won even by one of those two teams because Central, for instance, who've got to play both of them, are six points behind Boca, four points behind San Lorenzo, Racing, are three points behind Central, but have a game in hand. Um, so the title is still very much up for grabs, as we say. I don't think River are going to get it because they're going to be placing so much emphasis on on the Copa Sudamericana and because they're just maybe a bit too far behind. But um, and what is better for you in terms of uh, the the victor to I think we have discussed this before. To play them now or to play them uh, later Yes, on? The, the, the easier teams, theoretically easier teams before, like Alocibi, like Rosero Norte, that you have said San Lorenzo will play. Uh, and then the, the, the harder ones. I guess... Or? I guess you prefer to be... In, well, you, you prefer to be in Boca's position because they're two points better yes. off, obviously. Um, and I would prefer to be... But, I, but, I'm uh, trying to think how I would think of it if... if 
this sounds stupid, but if this was a game of football manager and I was managing one of the teams, I think I'd prefer to be in Boca's position because, first of all, they've got two points more. But also, if you were both level on points and you had the run-ins, I'd prefer to be on Boca's position because points on the board, uh, points in the bag, are better than potential points. And Boca have the opportunity, a very real opportunity, if they keep their focus to rack up nine points from the next three matches. Um, And if San Lorenzo don't you know if San Lorenzo yes. drop too many points then that could be the title right there uh, potentially but in the other hand if Boca can't beat Argentinos Juniors in, uh, in Paternal uh, at Paternal they, and, and San Lorenzo can beat Aldo CB they are they will be yeah. a, a, at least joined up again uh, so uh, I, I that's what that's why I asked uh, uh, whether what is for you better to of course San Lorenzo play Racing this weekend, though, not Aldo Civi. Ah, not Aldo Civi. Ah, okay. Well, uh, yes, in that case, it's... That's, uh, that's the thing. San Lorenzo's uh, um, fixtures now are home to San Lorenzo. Uh, sorry, uh, home to Racing, away to Tigre, and at home to Central, um, uh, uh, which are three, seriously. And then they have that slightly easier run. Uh, whereas Boca have the slightly easier run first, and then they play those three in the same order, but I think reversing the home and away is for San Lorenzo. Well, in that case, I think Boca, yes, had the advantage, <laughs> mm. not only for the points, the two points uh, that they are ahead of San Lorenzo, but for the for the for that fixture. I yeah, think. but as we say, if anybody is a, yes. a, a betting person and you're listening, don't necessarily rule out Racing or Rosario Central for the title at this point because they they've got to play both of the current front runners. Racing have got games in hand. Well, one game, three, two thirds of the game in hand, we should say, but they haven't got any of the points on the, the current. What we could do for the for the for the tournament, uh, for the expectations and that, but I I think that it will it will be between Boca and San Lorenzo. I think. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, I, I would say that as well, but um, uh, the the others have got more of a chance than the league table currently makes them appear to have. Uh, we will move on to the other. Classico that was between two big five sides. First of all, because Independiente, in my opinion. Um, although Boca were indisputably the big winners of the weekend, given that San Lorenzo uh, lost, um, Racing dropped points, of course Central also dropped points, those are the teams who, as we've just said, are going for the title. So Boca, undeniably the big winners from the weekend. But Independiente, for me, put in the one um, genuinely impressive performance in any of the Clásicos, actually, I thought, because all the, of the Clásicos were... The team that had their clear, more clear... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the highest highest difference between one team and the other. Yeah, indeed. Um, they beat Racing three 0 with goals from Martin Benitez, a fantastic free kick from Jesus Mendes, and then a late diving header from Diego Vera. In fact, the, the last the, the last two goals were both quite late because uh, Mendes's uh, free kick was in the eighty first minute. Vera's was in the eighty fifth. Um, his header, and Racing didn't really have much of a response. I mean. Rivers' response in the Super Classico to falling a goal behind was basically to just try and lump the ball forward a lot and completely ignore the midfield for some reason. And Racing just didn't have a response at all. I mean, they didn't seem to be aware that there was a derby happening. It was a very strange game to watch. Yeah. <coughs> uh, with, and again, Acuña being sent off, like happened against Atlanta with the, for Copa Argentina. Um, and yes, uh, well, uh, we have to remember the... Uh, last uh, tournament in which uh, Diogo Coca said he preferred he would prefer to lo- lose this this match and then win the championship. In this case, I think it's harder to for them to win it, but uh, we will have to wait and see. And uh, I, I think it was 
it's hard to 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 decide whether it was a, a, a good uh, independent performance or a bad awful from Rasm. It's because both I think they are mixed in in this match. Mm. Benitez was very impressive though, yeah. uh, and continues his his very impressive run of, of the midfielders like well, his twenty fifteen's uh, Manquesho, right? Yes. In yes. terms of the goals he's had from particularly since the well, since is, I think that is a, a credit to to Pellegrino. To, to no, no one, no one is now uh, uh, saying that Manquesho must be in the team, and because Mendes and Ortiz are are, are doing a, a great great job. Although Manquesho is um, still returning from injury, I think he probably though would have been rushed back in a bit more quickly if Benitez wasn't playing as well as he is. Um, Independiente are looking very together. They're now 11 games unbeaten. They're unlikely to challenge for the title because they've had this run rather too late in the season. But I suppose they might be able to still snatch a Copa Libertadores playoff place, perhaps. Uh, Perino, I think if Perino will uh, have uh, be, been the coach of Independiente before, of course, it's easy to say they will be uh, clear candidates. Yeah. Um, in fact, having said that they might be able to snatch a Copa Libertadores playoff place, I now feel slightly silly because I've brought up the league table and they're actually sixth at the moment, which is a Copa Libertadores playoff spot. Um, so as it stands, they're going to have the opportunity. To be clear, that's not going into the playoff round of the Copa Libertadores. Uh, third, fourth, fifth and sixth will go into Argentine league playoffs um, from which the two winning sides, I, th- I think it's... Uh, the two winning sides will we'll get a place each um, in in the actual Copa Libertadores. Um, but it's an AFA competition to get into the Libertadores, as it were, they're hoping for at the moment. Um, San Lorenzo against Huracan. Magnificent goal to win it from Patricio Torranzo. A very, very clever free kick. We're actually watching Huracan play again whilst um, recording this episode. Then the second leg of the Copa Sudamericana. Um, they beat Tigre in the first leg 5-2 away from home about three weeks ago I think it was um, and just took the lead about five minutes or so ago um, on the night to lead them 1-0 tonight so they're now 6-2 up and it looks like they're going to get through um, <clears throat> but that's following up a, an impressive um, victory over San Lorenzo in a match that we weren't expecting them to win Mariano did say he was nervous about it though um, last week um, and we saw why Torranzo with a very, very clever free kick. He was looking like he was going to centre it. It was from a position which the cross made a lot more sense than the shot. And then he put it in at the near post with everybody apart yes. himself expecting him to put it to the far post. Um, yeah, this time the, the, the San Lorenzo draw uh, or, or their uh, way of playing the match be, being defensive four times, then going and, 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 and having a... a, a a press in the pressing big pressing in in Uruguayan side. Uh, well, this time it didn't work, and, and of course you can't uh, say all of all all everything was because of that. Because you have to to give credit to Toranzo playing uh, uh, shooting brilliantly that free kick as you said uh, when everyone was expecting for for the cross, and, and he uh, had the the the. Great accuracy to put it in the first uh, post. Mm. Uh, well, that is nothing to do. It's a brilliant goal, and 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 this is it. Absolutely, it's a really strange. Well, actually, no. Sorry, it's a very good 
example of how frustrating the Argentine league can be to predict as well because just a few weeks ago San Lorenzo needed three very late goals to come back for a 3-3 draw away to Crucero del Norte um, having been 3-0 down with 15 minutes to go the following week they lost 3-0 to Nueva Chicago um, these are the two worst teams in the Primera División you know, notably the two worst teams in a Primera División with some frankly not very good teams in it um, and in the weeks since that 3-0 defeat to Chicago their results have included a draw away to River Plate a draw at home to Independiente and now a win over San Lorenzo to take San Lorenzo off the top of the league um, OK, the last one was in a derby they were particularly up for it but still, I think it's um, <laughs> a, a very nice encapsulation of how frustrating it can be as somebody who writes previews and tries to predict how these matches are going to go in the Argentine league when logic just seems to go out the window um, also, lots of praise for Federico Bismarra's performance um, in the, uh, the the sort of back end of the Huracan midfield as well. He was superb on Saturday, wasn't it, that one? Yeah. Yes, it yes. was. Um, other main results over the weekend. We've covered the big five now, but we should give a mention. As we say, Colón Union was, was a very decent um, game and finished as well. We, we said that that was most likely to be called off, yeah. but it, it, it was finished in the end, so... Well done to the people of Santa Fe. There, was there, there were no, was... no, no suspensions in the in the round of the Clásicos. That's yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah, there was some trouble. Was it during San Martín versus Godoy Cruz? I think it was because I remember thinking that uh, the week after Godoy Cruz had their home match almost suspended, uh, well, had their home match suspended. Um, they almost had the, the the away game suspended as well. Um, but that one is one that we want to mention because it was Gabriel Haynes' first. Um, appearance actually on the bench for Godoy Cruz he's finally been allowed to sit with his team obviously we spoke last week about how he I think he was temporarily or, or he finally has his papers and or it's been given some kind of dispensation uh, yes I think it was like, like that not it's well it's temporary that well you go to the bench and that but mm. uh, and anyway uh, we mentioned that uh, there were no no uh, riots or violence but as Daniel Soli, the candidate to the president and, and governor of the province of Buenos Aires, oh, province of Buenos Aires said, said he uh, would uh, try to, to make uh, a way supporters to be allowed to get, go to the stadiums we're finally. Gonna, we're going to talk about that ah, okay. uh, in, in a later section okay, because there's, there have been developments on that today. Sorry, I should have let you know before we started recording, Andres. Um, any th- other really notable results over the weekend? Obviously, we're trying to pick out the really notable ones because there were so many classicos. So many of the ones on um, Sunday and and, Saturday, and indeed Saturday were were drawn. Mariano sort of mocked me last week for predicting so many draws, but in the end, there were lots of draws. The small problem that I had with them uh, was that the matches that were draws did not coincide with the matches that I predicted draws for. I ended up with, I think I got five in the end, um, but none of them were classicos. <laughs> I correctly, of course, predicted Aldo Civi to beat Crucero del Norte because that's the easiest prediction in the world. And I also got Monday's other game right, um, Tempele against Quilmes. But aside from that, I wasn't very lucky. Banfield got revenge on Lanús. Lanús, obviously, in the first Clásico of the year, had won away to Banfield. Um, and Banfield won away to Lanús with, as I said earlier, a fantastic strike from Mariano Cuero. Um, Mauricio. Mauricio Cuero, yes. thank you. Um, which was like something from an entirely different match, yeah. <laughs> basically. I, I I fancy him uh, <coughs> uh, playing for River. I don't 
I, I said it, of course, after the goal. It's you no know, news, but... Uh, but he's been in good form for, yes. well, pretty much all year, but um, particularly in the last, I would say, couple of months, he seems to have stepped it up yes. fantastically since the Copa America. Yes. Whereas Juan Casares, who, funnily enough, is the Banfield playmaker who has moved to Banfield from River, um, started the season really well. Looked like he was growing into uh, a regular first-team role at last. And since then, he's kind of dropped off a little bit, I think. Yes, uh, well, uh, when when he was uh, playing for River and then uh, had to leave, he had this this problem that he had a lot of uh, well, uh, the, the, his good uh, technical uh, his uh, skills are very good, but uh, with no uh, with lack of of continuous playing, he had well good moments, bad moments. Uh, he couldn't get uh, continuous. Uh, Good performances and mm. and uh, well, so it's no surprises that now it's happening the same. No, um, two teams who I wanted to mention who we kind of touched on last week as well, but I just wanted to continue talking about them were Newell's Old Boys um, and Venice Sarsfield. The first thing to say about the Clásico Rosarino is that after Maxi Rodriguez's uh, grandmother's house was um, well shot at. Uh, in the week before the Classico we didn't mention it on last week's episode because we forgot to we were planning to and then we completely forgot um, there was the sense in the Classico Rosarino perhaps that uh, the draw was just a sort of convenient result and that really if either side had won it um, then the whole of Rosario was going to explode neither side seemed to be pushing themselves too hard in that one did they? It was Yeah it would be very very uh, Troubles if if uh, news lost and then they had to play at the Parque Independencia uh, next week or this uh, weekend. Uh, yes, it's of course much better result for news and for Rosario Central that if if winning if they had won, now they will be like for example like Boca with a, a, a much better. Uh, yeah. Yes, psychological situation. Yeah, Central would have been obviously two points better off than they are with the win, so they would have been two points behind San Lorenzo and and four points behind Boca, uh, with obviously, as we said earlier, still to play both of those teams. Um, From Newell's point of view, though, Newell's are the side who I really wanted to sort of ask whether you have any opinion on what's going on with Newell's and also with Vélez. Vélez, I think, and I think I said it on last week's episode, seems to be a problem with leadership. I actually looked through, I, I realised that uh, Ole, who are the main uh, sports daily in Argentina, that well, they're the only sports daily in Argentina, unless you count the daily version of El Grafico, which nobody really does because it's awful. Um, but Ole's uh, website has recently been redesigned. Now, if you're a Spanish-speaking listener um, and you regularly check out the Ole website, you've probably noticed, but if you're not, then I can sum up the redesign for you uh, in one word. It's dreadful. Terrible awful, atrocious, appalling shit. Just, it, it, It's a terrible redesign. But one table that I did find in the statistics section, which interested me, uh, interestingly, the, the drop-down menus on the side of the page um, which show the league table don't give you the option to look at the relegation table, as Peter pointed out to me the other day on Twitter. Um, but they do give you the option to look at the average ages of all of the... Um, squads that have played so far so the match day squads and the players that actually get onto the pitch they've arranged them by average age and I had a look at it just on a hunch given what I said last week about Vélez lacking leadership and you know what I found Vélez Sarsfield's squad is the youngest in the Primera 
not surprised oh. at all. Like 24.2 years old or something. Um, yes, Cobero, I think, will be the one, the, the old Precisely. One. I mean, Leandro Sorosa, who is currently Leandro. long-term injured, and Fabian Cobero is now also long-term injured because he's uh, fractured a bone in his toe or something. I can't remember which exactly what injury he's got, but he's out for effectively the rest of the year. Um, and that's not going to help them because the rest of them are just kids. I mean, Somoza and Cubero between them are probably the only two play, uh, people who are pushing the average age up to 24. But if you, yes. once they're taken out of it, I suspect the average age of yes, that, team is about 30. Starting from the goalkeeper, Alegre, then Delgadillo, Grillo, Dofo, uh, Perez Acuña, I think. Uh, yes, a lot of young young players. And the reason I wanted to mention this is because in some ways it mirrors what's happened with Crucero del Norte. We talked about Crucero del Norte last week, mentioning that they are, well, they're away uh, arrangements. They actually turned up for the match against Aldo Sibi on Sunday afternoon, so they didn't turn up on the same day. But given that they travel 1,400 kilometres, um, I'm not sure that that's actually significantly better. Um, but we also mentioned that they were laying off players. They, that they've been letting sort of terminating the contracts of one or two players per week now for about the last month. Um, obviously, more fringe players than regular starting eleven players, so it's difficult to notice by watching the matches. But it obviously undermines the confidence of the team and a load of other th- other stuff and they're doing it because they're expecting to be relegated they're expecting to play next season in the B and fair they enough that's a realistic expectation and we could have told you that at the very beginning of the year but it's not the best um, the most ambitious of attitudes it's not the best way to treat your players and Vélez we could have possibly called this well, at the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the year Vélez's board was saying particularly the president was, was saying we're going to have to let people go because we have to cut spending down in the second half of the year because this 30-team championship isn't, isn't sustainable for us. Um, it's not going to get us as much money because every team, remember, has got fewer home matches this year than they had last year in, in over the course of the calendar year because although there are more teams in the division, you're not playing all of them home and away over the course of the season or the year. Um, you're only playing most of them home or away, which means that they're getting four fewer home games, everybody is. Um, and Belis have let uh, Sebastian Sosa, the goalkeeper, go. And as a result, as you've mentioned, Alan Aguirre is now in goal. That's Aguirre as opposed to Aguirre, because it's an E. Not Aguirre, an I, th- I st- um, said Alegre, I think. No, no, sorry, I wasn't, oh. I wasn't correcting you. I was clarifying for, uh, for the listeners. Um, and, and they've got a bunch of other, you know, kids, as I say, playing for them because they've got rid of Mariano Pavone, of course, who's gone to Racing. OK, he's not that good but he was their leading goal scorer um, and a load of others the Sabbath, you know, uh, Cabral, Alejandro Cabral is another one uh, yes yeah and so Venice are a side who have for a decade and a bit now put a lot of faith in their youth system for them at least it's been pretty good Mariano would, if he was here I know would tell us that uh, not an awful lot of these Venice youth products have actually gone on to be successes genuine successes in Europe um, Jonas Gutierrez is probably the the, the most obvious exception um, to that statement. But for Vélez, at least, players have tended to overperform for Vélez, having come through the youth ranks at Vélez. But playing an entire team of current youth products uh, without any older heads is clearly not the way to well, go. Well, Maradona, I think he used to say, or perhaps, uh, yes, I think he was, that uh, the kids win matches and the, the older win championships. Yeah. It's a very, very good way of looking at it. Um, and typically uh, concise from Diego Maradona. I don't agree with, by any means, anything he says, as regular listeners will be aware. But um, 
I agree with him on that one. It's it's a very straight. Obviously, Vélez are down in nineteenth or twentieth or somewhere in the table, so it's kind of academic. But I'm just it's interesting that this team who have challenged for so many championships, particularly since I've been following Argentine football over the last sort of twelve years, Vélez have tended to always be be up there, um, and all of a sudden they've they've seriously fallen away. Um, and Newell's need to get their shit together. I would say. Do you think Lucas Bernardi, who's the current Newell's manager, is perhaps still friends with a few too many of his ex-teammates to be able to manage them? Is that part of the problem? Yeah, he could be too young. Uh, it's, well, uh, there are a lot of young uh, coaches that we have been talking about, and they are good, and they have uh, they bring brought fresh air to the Argentine football, but. Uh, uh, it's very very strange it's, uh, when they started and they defeat Racing 3-0 I, I remember that, that match because we all thought or at least I thought well it, there is a new a, a news similar news to the Bielsa one because they played like that that match and then it was all all uh, all of the matches with a poor performance very awful quite awful and, and well they are continuing like that and they can't uh, go out they can't. Uh, uh, it's like something, like well, uh, of course, if if they continue like this, uh, Bernardi sooner or later they he will have to to quit because unfortunately, uh, mm. uh, it's like that. Is no, there's no other, uh, no 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 other way of of, of seeing it. <coughs> Indeed, uh, talking of as Andres did mention in passing that that new young generation of Argentine managers coming through, one of them of course is Matias Almeida who yesterday was confirmed as the new manager of Chivas in Mexico. Um, we're probably slightly biased because we're both River fans and that's uh, where he came from. But um, what do we think Chivas fans, in case there are any listening, can expect from, from Almeida? Well, uh, he tries... Uh, he, he showed that more, I think, more Banfield than River. Uh, a, a, a way of playing that always looking the the... the Rivals' goal uh, with a lot of attacking players. With uh, of course, he has the possibility. He has the players to to do that, uh, to do so. Uh, but uh, uh, when when he left Banfield, he was very uh, well. Uh, I think supporters were quite uh, kind with him, uh, uh, taking into account he wasn't from New from Banfield. Or is yeah. a Barfield supporter, or, or he? Yeah, he's not like camp. a club idol. Yes, yeah. uh, and 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 he uh, tried to put a new style of playing uh, with players that well uh, weren't so <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> very very good in terms of skills or the better the, the best players, and he uh, uh, could get a new style, attacking style. So well, if Chivas has the players to do it, he I think he will try to do the same. Uh, he, attractive style of playing. He left Banfield largely over differences with the board, I think, more than anything, right? Rather than, I mean, when when he he left after the four-one defeat to Arsenal, he'd already announced that he was going to be stepping down after that game, but that was his last game in charge. And after that match, they'd lost one of their previous one, two, three, four, one of their previous six matches. Um, that was a two-one defeat at home to Belgrano. Um, but aside from that, he, uh, you know, tends to get more wins than. Than, than defeat I think and year, notably Banfield have gone yeah. on a very good run since then sorry to interrupt yes. 
Um, since he left, they're five games unbeaten. So it's seven in total because they, they were unbeaten in his last two in charge. And they won um, on Sunday night. And immediately, a lot of the squad on television was saying, you know, this win, um, we, we want to give Almeida his half of the credit for it as well because and even the the current Banfield manager whose name I've just forgotten whilst I was in that sentence Claudio Bibas yes. um, has said who's going to be in charge for the rest of this year um, and, that, and then make way for a permanent manager and he said as well you know I'm, I'm building on the work that Matias did so this is clearly a guy who gets on with most of his uh, let's say underlings even if he didn't get on with his last set of bosses so much well last, last year when he didn't uh, Uh, get the the best results. It was said he had a very good idea, but not uh, uh, with not the, the best results because well, uh, uh, he when you play try to play nice football and the results aren't good, uh, of course you are criticized because uh, you try to play nice to 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 uh, well do things that if you don't have the the the, the, the the indicated players to do it well it's better not to to try it and, and now uh, this year it was much better in terms of results of course yeah but the idea was always the same to try to make the team to play uh, the most of the time in, in attack and trying to to be with a lot of attacking players uh, so well we will see how it goes with uh, with Chivas it's going to be interesting in my opinion as well to see it because um a lot of Argentine managers who who move particularly to the Mexican League where obviously it's a more financially powerful league than Argentina um, but there's still enough of a shared culture particularly the language um, for them to maybe tempt a few Argentines over they tend to go for players who they're familiar with one or two I'm not you know not filling up the whole time with Argentines but they'll, they'll try and bring in a couple to sort of help them settle in and obviously that's not an option for Almeida because he's taken charge of a club with a policy of only fielding Mexican players um, so he's kind of thrown himself in the deep end in that respect I also wonder whether he took the job to an extent to try and uh, break out of a trap he might have fallen into after leaving Banfield of just bouncing around the non-big five teams in Argentina um, he's a manager who wants to learn he's a manager who, who's taken a few um, cues was, and, and has travelled to Europe and, and tried to learn from the coaches there and he wants clearly to learn from abroad and now get some experience He was abroad. named for Independiente when, when Almiron uh, was uh, sacked and Uh, well, finally uh, he he will he he will go abroad. But he has been he has already signed uh, his contract to to go to Chivas. Uh, and yeah, we have uh, for example Ramon Diaz at America makes the America another powerful team, mm. uh, one of the most uh, powerful teams in there in, in Mexico. Then I think Pasarela and Monterrey. So uh, not uh, very the best. I think Man- Pasarela was champion of the league. If I am not. Uh, Wrong. Yeah. Ramon Diaz wasn't good his, uh, in terms of, of performance and in terms of results, but uh, I think Pasala was, uh, was the champion there in, at Monterrey. I'm looking up Daniel yes. Pasarela's Wikipedia right now to confirm that. Let's see. Let's see. Championships it. as a trainer. He won, no. yes, he won the Torneo yes. Clausura in 2003 with Monterrey. Okay. Um, so, yes, good memory. 12 years ago good grief um, that I think is it for the first part of this episode of Hand of Pod so I'm now going to put some music on for the benefit of listeners um, and we're going to refill our glasses and we will be back after the break with a little bit of talk 
as the police sirens go by, with a little bit of talk, uh, I'm going to move in closer to the microphone so you can hear me over them, um, about the coming, as Andres says, the, well, alleged return of visiting fans to Argentina, among other issues, as well as what few listeners' questions we have had so far uh, for this week's episode. So don't go away. Turn from this break, we uh, very proudly inform you that this episode of Hand of Pod is being recorded by two men who don't feel any fear, because uh, apparently, while we were recording that first part, there was an earthquake in Chile, which made buildings shake here in Buenos Aires, and Andres and I just soldiered on as if we didn't notice a thing. This is because we didn't notice anything, um, but my girlfriend has just come in from the bedroom to tell us that... Uh, her best friend informs us that she felt the tremors here in Buenos Aires a few minutes ago. So we've recorded well, through an earthquake, Andres. They, they will listen... High five. Yeah, they will listen to this tomorrow or, or the day after tomorrow. So perhaps the earthquake won't be anymore. But, uh, well, uh, try to look. Watch, your, watch yourself and, and take care. Indeed, yeah. Um, particularly if, if you're you in Chile or in Mendoza Chile. or similar. Absolutely. Um we were going to discuss the coming um, return of visiting fans to Argentina. We get asked on a ooh, roughly a monthly basis here on Handapod, when are the away fans coming back? And the answer to the, the last time that we were asked it, uh, actually the last time we were asked it, I don't think there was an answer to it still, but the answer, if we had been asked in the last couple of weeks, was this coming weekend. Except that they might not be, after all, because... Um, We've been hearing, as Andres said earlier, from presidential hopeful and member of the current government, Daniel Scioli, um, who's on the one hand is the only person who could have taken the only candidate for the presidency. This is the Argentine presidency as opposed to the Argentine Football Association presidency, by the way. On the one hand, he's the only um, candidate for the presidency who could have taken this gamble. But on the other hand, he has taken the gamble. Um, And and, uh, everybody in Argentina who, who wants to see the return of visiting fans um, is going to be at least cautiously um, happy about that, although they may or may not not admit it, depending on their political leanings. But it's you know generally speaking, it's a good thing if the away fans come back. Anyway, the idea initially expounded was that for this coming round of matches, there was going to be one game in each jurisdiction um, with away fans. So that would be one game in the province of Buenos Aires, one game in the city of Buenos Aires, one game in the province of Santa Fe, one game in the province of Mendoza, one game in the province of San Juan, and so on and so forth. Um, one per, one per, day, per round. I think that, that was the be, idea. Yes. In, in the Primera. Didn't hear anything about the Bay. They announced today, um, yesterday, Argentine FA president Luis Segura said that he didn't think it was possible for the away fans to come back. This morning it was announced that the away fans are indeed coming back this weekend. Um, Sarmiento Defensa y Justicia Arsenal versus Olimpo so that's two matches in the province of Buenos Aires and Tristan Suarez versus Sportivo Italiano Tristan Suarez play in the province as well right? Yes. so three games in the province of Buenos Aires um, 
are going to have away fans this weekend. Which, on the one hand, was a bit of a weird thing to announce in the first place, given that all of the suggestions were it was going to be one game per province and no more. And on the other hand, um, seems to have upset particularly the people who run Sarmiento, because the vice president of Sarmiento de Junin, Horacio Mar- Martignoni, or possibly Martignoni, depending on whether you pronounce it the Italian way or not, um, went on the radio this morning and said that his club had not been informed by the AFA or by the security services that their game was going to be opened up for away fans. They found out when it was reported in the press today um, and that the stadium isn't fit for away fans to visit because they've been, you know, for the last couple of years, well, actually for longer because Sarmiento have been in the lower divisions where the away fan ban has been in place for significantly longer than it has in the Primera. In the Primera, it's two and a half years. Um, So for absolutely ages... Sarmiento have been, you know, running their stadium and maintaining their stadium um, on the assumption that there aren't going to be any away fans until they hear otherwise because they've not got, you know, the divisions in place or whatever that, 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 that needs to be put there because there aren't any away fans. So, so why bother when you're a very poor club as well? You know, we're not talking about River Plate or Boca Juniors. Why bother to maintain the away section in your stadium? Um, so it's... Uh, but anyway, the anyway five, five days before the day was going to be played with the apparently with those uh, uh, away supporters uh, you say they they won't be able to to go to to go to the stadium to to be there so it's uh, with i think uh, well we are used to this to the lack of time and the very very little time in which you say things or you decide things when there's five days to go yesterday there were five years to Days to go to the to Sunday when the some matches are, are, are played. So it's yes another another thing we, we don't understand or we don't say we don't know why are are said uh, uh, well there were there are gonna be there will be away supporters and then five di- five year, five days years five days uh, before the date uh, uh, you say there were there were, won't be so it's. From the reports that are currently coming out, it looks still as if Arsenal, Olimpo and Tristan Suarez, Sportivo Italiano, are going to have their away fans. The reports are now saying that it will only be two games with away fans rather than the three originally planned. Um, but don't be at all surprised if by the time this podcast goes online, um, or indeed in the couple of days afterwards, uh, if that story changes again. Although I would guess that Arsenal um, maybe have been able to keep their visitor section in slightly better condition given that they've had certain uh, financial advantages at least during Julio Grondona's presidency which our, our previous Handapod team member Santiago um, hinted up to us this this uh, weekend there weren't any violence uh, episodes we had to, to regret but not with uh, supporters but there were some uh, ridiculous or or, or uh, shameful uh, gestures from for players, like for example, well, Huracan San Lorenzo. There was a fight before the match even started. I missed, I missed what it was about. That it, it was hilarious. Well, in that match, Victor Espinosa uh, uh, kicked a, a, a how do you say it, the, the the banderin of San Lorenzo, the uh, pennant. Yes, right. uh, and and threw it out from the pitch. Then, uh, well, we 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 watched Daniel Diaz go doing this, like you go and up and down because of the. River Plate uh, uh, relegation, uh, yeah. 
Then and then Noir uh, saying, "Well, I am cold with uh, independent fans." So there are some things. Of course, you can say it is folklore, it is uh, color, it is not uh, violence. But if the supporters here are uh, not uh, very healthy, and and they are they react violently when with things like that, you have to try not to do that because. Mm. We are sensitive now, right now. Well, I guess, particularly in the cases of Diaz and um, uh, Noir, who are playing for the away team, and, and therefore we're, we're inciting the home supporters. Yeah. But also, you know, Espinosa uh, doing it in Oracan Stadium. But when you're playing against San Lorenzo, and there are San Lorenzo players on the pitch, it's not particularly sporting either. And it all just helps to build up this atmosphere also somehow, there was some discussion like between a professional and, and, yes. and in a sporting manner being wrong what what can you we are saying this all the time what can you ask for the supporters if you who are the professionals the the main stars and all the all that do things like that you can't say anything more you can't say oh well the violence has to be stopped if you are things doing silly things like that uh, and Vegetti and uh, Nereo Fernandez, Colonial Union players also had a discussion, uh, of course, not uh, so big. But there are, weird, there are things like this all the time. And if, uh, of course, if, uh, uh, I dream Argentina to be like, for example, uh, uh, leagues like the Premier League in which there are no fences and, and, and you can go and, and say... Uh, what a great goal to the player they, that have scored the goal. Uh, it's impossible, of course. But uh, one thing, supporters, when they are uh, crazy, insane, and other is players that have to be more professional. It's there is no other way. And also, we need administrators who are actually able to um, come up with a serious plan for for the safety. Given that, that's the situation. I mean, just saying, right, no away fans is a bit of a cop out. Uh, particularly when, as um, we've pointed out on this podcast numerous times, a lot of the trouble that goes with going to a match in Argentina, and which, you know, if you're a tourist you're, uh, and, and even just a, a casual match-going fan, sometimes you're unlikely to see, frankly, on a given weekend. But most of the trouble that there is um, doesn't come from home fans fighting against away fans. It comes from home fans fighting against home fans. For con- and I, I use the word fans in the loosest possible sense here. Um, for control of the uh, of, of, of the Barra Brava, it's, it's like a mafia turf war or something, rather than a, a, what you would think of in Northern Europe as a hooligan battle. That, that that's not really what it is. Um, so yeah, it's no ending it's, story. It's, it's a problem with the, for the administrators. It's a problem for the fans, and it's a never ending story. No one says anything uh, like we have been saying here. Uh, Tinelli, Segura, well, they don't say anything. They say uh, Segura saying uh, that there won't, won't be any any away supporters as if they, that were so important. And there were there are a lot of more important things, and they are don't they aren't talking about that. So well, uh, it's uh, we we are and we for, forget that until there is another episode. Course. Yeah. Um. On to listeners' questions. We have had one from Richard Furlong, who runs the Language of Football blog, which is uh, languageoffootball.com. 
I've just had a quick look at it, having not really paid much attention to this uh, question when it first landed in my email box two days ago, because it was for the podcast, so I tend to leave them until listening time. Um, and he asks whether there are any interesting language-based issues, however big or small, around football in Argentina at the moment. Um, which is a tricky question to answer, partly because, as I say, I didn't really think about it much in the previous days. Does anything occur to you, Andres? Uh, if you mean about the players, if they have problems with language? I would yes, guess that from that have. point of view, they have. Uh, yes, yeah, they have robot vocabulary. They, they well, no, no, they aren't, of course. They don't have a degree in, in, in literature, literature. So, uh, yes, they have like the basic uh, words, like I, uh, I. I Say uh, hello, or I, I gave a kiss to, to my to my daughter, to my wife, and that those that that stuff. Mm. And they uh, say about the play about the talk about the match, how if they had a lot of or not uh, situations to score or not, and and well, this con- this is football, and we have to continue playing, and well, it's most mostly the. The declarations of the players are, are, are basic, are like that. And, and they are asked to play football, not to be great uh, talkers, to, to say it in, a, in that way. Yeah, um, I'm struggling to, to add very much to that, and I apologise to Richard. If you want to ask us again next week, then I will try and uh, send the question out by email to the team um, as well. Uh, to, so that we can get a, yeah, a to, to get the, the the exact idea he, he tried to transmit because uh, well there are if there are language based issues issues well he, he means about the players There's, yeah in terms of foreign players coming to Argentina and sort of settling in as I guess is well, more the, of a problem in the Premier League it doesn't really happen here because pretty much everybody comes from here Uruguay, is a Paraguay, Chile or not there any Brazilian for example no exactly and even the Brazilian, if, if a Brazilian did come, we had Jobeval at uh, San Martín de San Juan a, a few years ago. Yes. Uh, you know, the, Portuguese and Spanish are not a million miles apart, and, and they're genu- I mean, they're mutually intelligible to the point where Fox Sports, when they show Copa Libertadores or Sudamericana matches, just interview Brazilian players in Spanish after the game there is and this, let them in, reply in Portuguese. This player we have been talking about a bit uh, in the past, uh, Gavin Denis, the Australian, that is in fourth division, I think, in youth. Divisions in River at River, and mm. I think he ha- he plays uh, he talks well in Spanish. Uh, I have watched uh, I have seen some Instagram photographs from his account and uh, writing either in Spanish or English. And, and he's decent, but it's only that case. Not uh, there are not very very much uh, a lot of players uh, uh, English speaking players coming to Argentina. Yeah. Um. Another question that we've had by email is from David Ellingham, who says, Recently I was speaking to a sporting fan who told me that Hector Chasalde was still a hero with them due to his phenomenal goal-scoring record. Can you provide any information on his career in Argentina? Well, What type of striker was he? Why did he only get 10 caps for the national side? How was he remembered? Um, I had to... I vaguely remembered the name, but I have to confess that I had to Google him when I saw David's question. Uh, Andres, you're Argentine. How do you remember Hector Chasalde? <laughs> so, uh, yes, legend, but I have to, of course, uh, as uh, memory is fragile, have to, of course, uh, investigate a bit more about the history heroes of... Uh, Wikipedia history. tells us yeah. that Chasalde started out at Independiente, 
1967 and retired at Huracan after a single match in 1982, um, in between which he played, as David obviously says, for Sporting de Portugal from 1971 to 75 and also for Olympique Marseille from seven, for one season, 76 to 77 um, oh, that looks like it might be a season and a half, actually, given his, his appearance total. Um, and then from Newell's for a few years. Uh, he did indeed have a very impressive goal-scoring record, particularly in sporting, where he scored a goal a game and made 104 appearances. That is, I can see why they consider him a club legend still there. Um, it wasn't quite as impressive. His goal-scoring record for Independiente was 72 goals in 117 matches. For Olympic Marseille, almost well, just over one in two, twenty-three goals in forty-three well, games. He couldn't score at the record. No, but he did only play one game. I'm sure if he played another one, he'd have scored. Um, I would have put money on him to do so if I'd been around at the time. Um, the memory of him here. I mean, why did he only play ten times? I suppose it's not as if he was in a particularly strong Argentina side at the time. He, he was an international from 1969 to 74. Yes. So. Having played the 1974 World Cup. He did? He did, yes. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yes, he did. Five five matches and scored twice. So, yeah, I mean, for the five years before that, during which he was an international, and then he never played again. I mean, that generation, I guess, kind of fell away when Menotti came in um, to, to management. And obviously the 78 um, yes. World, World Cup was, was very, very heavily home-based. So I would guess that that has something to do with it. I'm not gonna. No, I mean, it, it doesn't look. I was about to suggest that possibly he didn't get on with the dictatorship, and that that might be a reason that he wasn't called up for the national side. But then he actually moved back to Newell's in 1977. Um, so it won't be that. I'm not trying to suggest that he was a sympathizer of them. By the way, I know absolutely nothing about it. But I, I, given that he came back to Argentina the following year, I doubt that that it was a political reason for leaving him out of the national side, as it were. Could um, could he possibly because of course. Uh, uh, the, the dictatorships had to do with the uh, had to do with the team with the well Menotti and, and they were like uh, not the presidents of the AFA but they were near there uh, well Grandona was still well I uh, know 1979 was Grandona, the the, uh, hmm. the year Grandona was uh, uh, as, assumed as, as as president but yeah had to do a lot I think yeah all of this obviously is uh, largely speculation, David. We don't really have anybody and any hand of pod team members who are old enough to remember Yasalde. Uh, we have a few who were... Well, in fact, you would have been alive when, when he retired, if he retired in 82, wouldn't you? But, yeah, I mean, three years ago. Again, Seba and Mariano would have been alive as well, but I don't, I'm not sure that any of them yeah, would they, actually be able to they, remember him. <laughs> so. Yeah, they, they had they have 20, 25 years when, when Yasalde retired, I think. Yeah, um... So yeah, uh, we're not we're not sure that anyone is actually going to be able to remember him on the team, unfortunately. But so we, we can only speculate. We have had two questions uh, from Twitter as well. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, asks whether we have anything special planned for next week. The answer to that is, uh, from our point of view, yes. But from the listeners' point of view, no. We're going to go out for a steak on the Friday night to to celebrate. There are going to be, uh, I think we have thirteen of us together so far. Um, so that's going to be nice. Yes, to, yes. The best, best way to celebrate here is to eat that kind of food. Indeed, absolutely. Um, and zero. That looks like a, a number O rather than a letter O. Uh, ask what is the latest on the future. Pardon me. 
on the future downsizing of the Primera. The latest is um, pretty much the situation that we outlined about a month ago, um, which for the benefit of non-regular listeners is that the first half of next year is going to be another transitional championship. There are going to be two relegations, by the way, at the end of this year with two promotions. Those will be Nueva Chicago and Crucero de Norte. We're already certain about that. Um, and there's going to be a transitional championship in the first half of next year, which will cons- basically it'll be the same structure as the transitional championship in the second half of last year for the Bay Nacional. Um, so it'll be two groups of 15 teams each because it's 30-team league, obviously not a 20-team league. They will all play each other. And then the Clásicos, the classic ri- the, 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 the classico rivalries, will be in um, separate groups. So River and Boca won't, won't be in the same group. Racing and Independiente won't be in the same group. But everybody will play an extra match at some point during the season in which they will play their classical rivalry. So, But the downsizing won't be until 2017. It'll be... Well, this is that's going to be... This, what I've just described, is for the first half of next year uh, to take us back into a 2016-17 to 17 season at the end of that in the middle of next year, they're expecting at the moment to relegate one team, which obviously you would assume you are is going, going to be replaced too, too by... Far. You're, you're going too fast, I think, <laughs> because uh, uh, we don't know the whether there will be away supporters no, in no, three we, days' time. And all of this stuff might very well be, uh, be changed, but we've been asked for the latest situation. So the latest situation at the moment, and it's all speculation, is this bizarrely concocted... Um, uh, we appreciate the, 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 the question, but uh, you may you may know uh, or you should know that uh, here the, the the most important thing uh, thing uh, in in the AFA is whether Tinelli or Segura will be the president. And yeah, no, nothing more. And that also is going to feed in a lot to this. Um, yes. So we might see one relegation at the end of, uh, in the middle of next year. We might see three relegations. We might see five re- relegations. At the moment, it's looking like the Primera will be the same size in twelve months' time as it currently is. We will have a season-long championship from August till May or June. Um, and then at the end of that is when we're expecting to start seeing the Primera get gradually smaller. But nobody knows. But well, there will be says. similar uh, shape or the format of championship. Well, you are saying this uh, from second half of the you year, 2016. The, yeah, the, the championship starting... In, a, in around a year's time, you would assume that for it's the transfer the window, the that will, that will be the only positive thing I, I, I think now. Mm. Then we will have to see, of course, the relegation, number of relegations, and promotions. And yeah, it's it's uh, watch this space. Basically, is the only proper answer that we can give um, to that question. I'm now going to put on Mystic Sam's theme music and Mystic Sam's wizard's hat and uh, magic wand. And I will be back in a second to tell you what to bet all of your pocket money on this coming weekend. Okay, here we go. This weekend's matches obviously don't include any Classicos because they were all played last weekend, unless you count. Belgrano versus Atletico de Rafaela, but we don't. It's not a Clásico. Uh, Sarmiento against Defensa y Justicia is on Friday night. I think that that is going to be a Defensa y Justicia win. Venice Sarsfield against Estudiantes de la Plata is going to be another away win. So Estudiantes to win that one. Gimnasia de la Plata against Tigre I think is a draw. Um, 
Tigre have got to play a Copa Sudamericana. Sorry, Tigre just have played a Copa Sudamericana match. In fact, they've gone out of the Copa Sudamericana after losing 1-0 um, away to Huracan. So for a 6-2 away defeat. And I think that's going to help Gimnasia, who have the home advantage to get a point. Godoy Cruz against Rosario Central, I think is a Central victory. Independiente against Nueva Chicago just doesn't really seem like a fair contest, does it? Especially given Independiente are at home, I think it's going to be a win for them. Yeah. Newell's Old Boys against San Martín de San Juan, I think is a San Martín victory. Aldo Civi against Huracán, I'm going for a draw. Um, I'd be tempted to go with an Aldo Civi win. Huracán's away form is very, very poor this year. They actually haven't won an away match in the league. Um, but Roger Martinez is, is suspended for Aldo Civi, which might feed into that one. Arsenal de Sarandí against Olimpo, which looks at the moment like it's going to have away fans. Um, I'm going to go for a draw. Banfield against Crucero del Norte. There's no need to even bother telling you what I've gone for there. It's a Banfield win. Argentinos Juniors against Boca Juniors, the Clásico Junior Sense, which is not a real Clásico at all. It's just based on their names and it's a joke that nobody else uses except me. Um, says, uh, I, I think that Boca are going to win that one. River Plate against Lanús, I think, is a draw. San Lorenzo against Racing, I am going to stick my neck out. This is the league match, by the way, because they actually play each other on Thursday evening in the Copa Argentina as well. Um, but they then meet in, on Sunday in the league, and I'm going to call that an away win for Racing. So I think Racing are going to win that one. Um, so Boca are virtually the champions. Well, or Racing would be right up in the title race and potentially be able to upset Boca, who knows. Union versus Tempele on Monday I think is a draw and if you want a slightly better price on it, go for a goalless draw, possibly, because neither side are particularly high scoring. And Belgrano against Atletico de Rafaela I think is going to be a Belgrano win. Oh, there's one more. Sorry, Quilmes against Colón de Santa Fe is a Quilmes victory for Facundo Savas. It would be a sixth win in eight matches, I think, wouldn't it, as manager? Uh, any thoughts on this weekend, Andres? Oh, I think the results are pretty well, I think, also. So, yeah. Excellent. So you can uh, expect to hear from us next week when we got absolutely none of those correct, uh, no doubt. Um, as we already said while we were talking, Huracan put Tigre out of the Copa Sudamericana, 6-2 on aggregate, 1-0 on the night. Um, Independiente against... I've forgotten who is about to start on the other side I think Arsenal Arsenal this R&D thank you yeah um, oh it's not start oh, it must be on this oh it doesn't start for another 45 minutes though. Um, so we will let you know what happened there you can follow us on Twitter on Hand of Pod um, and you can oh that was it yes sorry word from our sponsors again just to remind you all that we have been supported throughout this episode and indeed throughout every episode uh, this year, I think, was when we started being sponsored by the Argentina Independent, who are a wonderful source of English language news, current affairs, cultural articles, photo essays, and lots of other interesting stuff from Argentina and across Latin America. You should read them. It doesn't cost you anything at all. They're available on argentinaindependent.com and you can follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy. That's Argentina I N D Y. We thank them very much for the Fernet for supporting us through this. 199th episode of Hand of Pod. You can join us next week when there will be a celebratory mood in the air because, of course, Hand of Pod will be turning 200 episodes old. Please don't um, miss it. Andres, thank you very much for being a 
faithful assistant through this far, and hopefully see you next week for episode 200. It's a pleasure, I enjoy it, and so I, that's why I basically I keep coming. So, so that you can have the honour of uh, yeah. being present for the 200th. <laughs> yeah. So, well, goodbye and thank you. And thank you and goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>